Royal Standley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Good morning, Royal. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Eric? Doing fantastic. Another brilliant, beautiful day outside, and uh, we're I like to go outside. So that, that's a good thing. I guess that's a good combo, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> that nice weather really helps to, to kind of soothe the soul as we go through the this uh, this year of 2020 and just just uh, have some hope that things will be uh, maybe a little bit better in 2021 and then back to normal by 2025, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> by, by 2025. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, that's optimistic. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's what, yeah, you that's know. what this podcast is all about. <laughs> I, I'm Mr. Brightsides over here. That's right. <laughs> all right. So what are we talking about today? What are we going to focus on on this podcast? Yeah, I thought today we would take some time and answer some kind of frequently asked questions about Roth IRAs. Uh, I've had some uh, client conversations recently about Roths, about uh, Roth conversions and whether or not that's something clients should be looking at. And I think that 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 answer changes depending on where you're at in life, and ultimately, really, what your your goals are uh, for your investments and your estate plan. So, mm-hmm. thought we just take some time, hopefully, uh, educate some of our listeners on the different types of money, talk about the importance of starting early with a Roth IRA or a Roth four hundred one k, and then kind of touch on some of those those frequently asked questions. So, let me ask you a question right off the start. When I was younger, I don't remember there being Roth 401ks. How long have Roth 401ks been in existence? So Roth 401ks are, are a newer iteration of the original Roth IRA. Got it. Um, and I think they've been around for quite a while. It's just the implementation and adoption of the Roth 401k. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it's just taking a long time to, to get there and become as popular as the traditional 401k that uh, most people are, are pretty familiar with. Gotcha. Okay, great. Thank you for establishing that. So where do we start with this comparison? Yeah, so let's start with kind of the three basic kind of statuses of money. All right. Uh, you know, when we think about, you know, the dollars in our pocket or the dollars in our bank account, you have a pretty good handle on those funds. You get your paycheck every, every month. That money has been taxed. So that's what we call after-tax money. Mm-hmm. You've already paid the tax liability on it. If you put it in the bank and the bank pays interest, you're going to get a 1099 form at the end of each year to account for those taxes. So non-qualified money or after-tax money, as, as we frequently refer to it, is money you've already paid taxes on. And if you earn any money with, with those dollars, you have to account for those taxes usually on an annual basis. The other two types of money there are kind of the traditional tax-deferred monies, and those are in your traditional 401ks and traditional IRAs. What that really means is you haven't paid taxes on that money. That's actually uh, income you have deferred into a retirement plan, either employer-sponsored or individual. When you get to retirement, 
that is when you're going to need to start pulling money out of those accounts. And at that time, that's when you are going to get hit with the taxes, both on the original deposit plus on all of the growth that's occurred over those years of investing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So really, when we look at a IRA statement or a 401k statement, even if there's, let's say, $200,000 in that account, we kind of do the math there and realize that only about, let's say, 150000 of that IRA actually belongs to the client. The other you know, 25%, depending on your tax rate, is going to have to go to the government because they are going to want to collect on those taxes they allowed you to, to, to defer and grow in the 401k. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want their taxes. Yeah, the, the, the government's like that. They, they enjoy collecting revenue. Uh, <laughs> we don't enjoy it as much as they do, but uh, what we have found is they, they keep collecting it every year. Yeah. So with the Roth IRA or Roth 401k, it's a slightly different tax treatment. And in my opinion, the, the Roth IRA or Roth 401k those dollars really kind of hold the highest level status in my mind when it comes to taxation. With a Roth uh, IRA or 401k, those are dollars that you're putting into a a tax-free account. You're paying taxes on that income when it goes into that account. So it doesn't reduce down your taxable income when you make a deposit into one of these uh, types of accounts. But from that point on, that money is now going to grow tax-free. So what that means is, is all the earnings, the capital gains, dividends, interest, etc., grow tax-free and come out tax-free in retirement. So if all of your money was in a tax-free Roth accounts, when you get to retirement and start funding your retirement, you really don't have to worry about any tax liability unless you know there, there's something else floating out there that's generating taxable income. So that's kind of kind of the top of our pyramid there of money is any money that's in that Roth bucket. Well, that's that's nice. I mean, the, it's a lot better than paying taxes on the gains in that, which I mean, I, I understood the concept when you're saying if you put it into a bank, you've got a, what you said 1099 it at the end of the year uh, for any gains there. Correct. Oh, wow. That's a huge benefit for a Roth then. Correct. Correct. So oftentimes we'll get this question of, well, what does a Roth IRA earn? A Roth IRA is just a classification of money. It's not an investment. So inside of a Roth IRA, you could open up a savings account or a CD at your bank and invest that money in an interest-bearing account or a certificate of deposit and get you know the 0.01% that they're paying right now. Kind of defeats the purpose, however, of having a Roth yeah. because the entire benefit there is tax-free growth. So you making even 1% on your, your tax-free money just doesn't really have the, that same benefit as investing it in a well-diversified portfolio depending on your risk tolerance. So the classification of money doesn't determine how much it makes, you have to look at the underlying investment. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of get into that um, a- a- as we move through some of these frequently asked questions. All right. So the IRA versus the 401k. An IRA, an individual retirement account, that's an account that 
really any U.S. citizen can set up and defer earned income into. Now, when I say earned income, what am I referring to? That's W-2 income that you earn from an employer or 1099 income that you earn as an independent contractor. So what we want to look at there is rental income doesn't necessarily qualify as earned income. It's more of a passive income uh, stream. Okay. Dividends from your other investments don't qualify as earned income. So that IRA, pretty much anyone who's still working and earning money can set up and fund. They do have some income limitation rules there for both IRAs and Roth IRAs as well. With a Roth uh, or with a 401k rather, a 401k is an employer-sponsored plan. So what that means is, is your employer is setting up and allowing you to contribute to a retirement plan. So Roth 401ks, Roth 403bs, traditional 401ks and 403bs all fall under that employer-sponsored type plan. The 403b is kind of a cousin of the 401k, primarily used more for government agencies and nonprofits, whereas 401ks really dominate that that corporate space for their retirement plans out there. Gotcha. So the rule of thumb with this is for a single or head of household, you start to see the Roth phase out hit around $122,000 uh, of AGI uh, in 2020. For a married couple, it's around 196000 And that starts a phase out where your ability to contribute up to the maximum into a Roth IRA begins to be, be decreased. Got it. Once you get to $206,000 for a married couple, at that point, your ability to fund a Roth IRA has been completely phased out. So there, there is that income limit. The income limits for a traditional IRA are slightly different depending on if you have a uh, retirement plan that you can also contribute into. So what I would recommend is you know, talk to a tax professional or a financial professional who can kind of give you a sense of what those limitations are there. The biggest thing there is, is those income limits don't apply to a 401k. So on a 401k, it doesn't really matter what your income limits are, assuming that the plan is a safe harbor 401k or, or Roth 401k, you can actually go up to the maximum uh, which is a much higher limit there than it is with a traditional IRA or Roth IRA. Now, does that depend on the the your job and the the what the company has set up, or are they pretty much standard across the board as how much you can contribute? So there are some rules there that would apply to highly compensated employees. Basically, making sure that the four hundred one k or employer sponsored plan isn't heavily weighted just to management. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, those rules are probably not something you're going to run into quite quite as much as kind of a rank-and-file employee, but definitely something if you're the owner of a business or in upper management, you'll want to make sure is addressed there so you can take advantage of those higher limits there. The other thing that's very similar with a 401k and IRA is there's also a catch-up. Once you hit age 50, where you can put an additional what they call catch-up contribution into an IRA or a 401k. So that catch-up contribution for the IRA is is $1,000 extra you can fund into your account once Mm -hmm. you're over the age of 50. 
in a 401k, it's actually about $6,500 extra you can put in oh, there. Wow. So those, those income limits are just much, much higher there uh, if you're over the age of 50 and if you have the ability to uh, take advantage of a 401k. So can you have a 401k and an IRA? You absolutely can. Now, there is those those income limitations, but you could absolutely, you know, max out your 401k and if you're within those income limits also put money into an IRA as well. So, once again, it gets a little tricky there. This is this is where we we really recommend people sitting down with a tax professional or mm-hmm. a financial professional to really take a look at that and make sure they're not kind of stepping out of line there with their contributions. If you're really looking at trying to get in more than $30,000 a year into retirement uh, for an individual. Yeah. And and here's the thing for everybody listening. If you're brand new to the podcast, you will hear both Royal and I say multiple times that you should be consulting a financial professional. There is no substitute for expert advice. And to do everything on your own, you would have to learn all the rules on every possible way to invest and everything else. I don't think anybody has a time for that, except for professionals that do it for a living, like Royal. So um, you're going to hear us say that time and time again. It's not it's not something where we're deferring an answer or deferring a question that's been brought in by the listening audience. It's truly just the best advice you can get, which is talk to a professional. They can help you with your own individual situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that actually brings me to my next question. Um, you, you said there's income limitations, and I personally am not in that situation, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of our listeners are. They're, they're making quite good money. So if they're making over that limitation, which maybe you can remind us again what that is, what can they do? I mean, if, if they can't start a Roth IRA or, or an individual IRA, uh, what, what options do they have? So they still have some options available, but this gets really tricky. And you know, kind of going back to what you just said, you know, you want to consult with a financial professional here, mm-hmm. is there is a way to do what's called a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. Hmm. You want to be very careful with this because it can complicate your taxes if you don't do it correctly. With a backdoor Roth IRA contribution, if you're over that $206,000 income limit, for a married couple in 2020, you can still get money into a Roth IRA uh, by doing what's called a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. Now, let's assume that you don't have any money in an IRA or a Roth IRA. All your retirement savings is in a a 401k. Uh, This is going to help simplify things a little bit here. The way you start a backdoor Roth IRA conversion is you make a contribution to a non-deductible traditional IRA. Uh, What a non-deductible traditional IRA contribution is, is a contribution into an IRA, but because of your income being so high, you're not able to deduct it off your taxes. Once that money is in that IRA, you can at that point convert it into a Roth IRA. So it's a way of basically creating two extra steps there to get money into a Roth IRA for the year. It's definitely an important strategy, especially for high income earners, to just add that little extra into the Roth. Where it gets tricky, though, is if you have money outside of the 401k, let's say in a traditional IRA, Mm -hmm. when you make that non-deductible IRA contribution, 
that is going to kind of infect all of your other IRA money. So for instance, let's say you have $500,000 in an IRA and you make a $5,000 non-deductible IRA contribution Mm -hmm. and then try to convert that $5,000 over. What ends up happening is is you can't just convert the $5,000 in the non-deductible IRA because now all of your IRAs basically have 1% in the non-deductible portion and the rest is uh, the tax deferred portion. So it gets very tricky Mm. and we want to be very careful and kind of know where all the accounts and where all the bodies are buried when we recommend this strategy. So it is a great strategy for kind of higher income earners to do it. But once again, you have to talk to a professional to do it. Otherwise you can just create a tax nightmare for yourself if you do it incorrectly. Yeah. That, Again, goes right back to it. Consult a professional, consult a professional, consult a professional. Can't say it enough. Exactly, exactly. All right, where do we go from here? What other questions do you get? So the the big thing, kind of the, the thing we want to end with here as we're just kind of going over the basics is what happens when you pass away? What are the options your beneficiaries have when they inherit a, an IRA or a Roth IRA? Mm-hmm. If it's your spouse who's inheriting uh, your IRA or Roth IRA, they really have the most options available to them. They can keep it kind of as is. They can roll it into their own IRA. Uh, There's a lot of flexibility there. But let's focus on what happens when a non-spouse inherits an IRA. Now, these are all new rules as of 2019. Mm -hmm. So anything you knew before that has changed if we're looking at someone who passes away in 2020 and beyond. If you inherited an IRA in 2019 or before, you're kind of set in those old inherited IRA rules where you're allowed to take a distribution out of that every year and keep the tax deferral or the tax-free nature intact. Under the new rules, you now have a 10-year time frame to where you need to pull everything out of that IRA. So let's just assume you inherit that $500,000 IRA, you now have the decision of taking it all out in the first year. You can spread it out equally or kind of as needed over that 10-year period, or you don't need to take anything out. But at the end of 10 years, you have to pull the entire amount out of the IRA. That money is all going to be taxable income to you. So that takes a lot of extra planning there and where we have this conversation quite often with our clients is, is if you have a large amount of money in a 401k or an IRA, what is that going to do to your beneficiaries and how best do we help manage those taxes? Mm-hmm. This really applies to each beneficiary, let's say getting 200, 300,000 plus dollars in qualified money to kind of help guide them. Because even if they just took $20,000 a year for 10 years, plus the growth in the account, that's still a pretty big tax hit for a lot of people. With a Roth IRA, it's the same rules. You still have that 10-year window of when to take the money out. But with the Roth IRA, here's the beauty of it, that money is still tax-free to the beneficiary. So the strategy becomes uh, much more flexible there because 
you can inherit that money, and assuming you don't need to take any distributions out, just let it grow tax-free for that 10-year period, and then pull the money out at the end. So from an estate planning standpoint, those Roth IRA funds are still kind of at the top of our pyramid for planning purposes. Yeah, I can imagine with, with the traditional IRA, if, if I'm thinking about this correctly, you said the, the $500,000 IRA that is inherited, let's mm-hmm. say somebody is an executive and they're making good money, uh, taking just doing easy math, equally over the 10 years, $50,000 a year, that would push them into a higher tax bracket in a lot of cases. Whereas, let's say somebody's a struggling artist and maybe they only make 20000 a year, if they take that $50,000 out every year, it actually probably pushes them into a slightly higher tax bracket, but not with the same kind of ramifications that it would be for somebody who has a higher earning income. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. So, hmm. Really, it comes down to kind of how we start planning for this is how much do you have in those qualified accounts and how many beneficiaries you have. Yeah. If you have a million dollars in a 401k or an IRA, okay, that's wonderful. If you got 10 beneficiaries, probably not a lot of planning we need to do around that. If you mm-hmm. have one beneficiary, yep. then a lot more planning needs to go into that because th- those are much bigger numbers that one person has to deal with on their tax return. Yeah, absolutely. Again, goes right back to planning, which means bringing a planner, bringing a professional. Royal, any other closing thoughts for today's podcast? Uh, the one other just caveat there is the Roth IRA could still be subject to inheritance tax uh, or estate tax. State of Oregon, we have a $1 million exemption. So some of that money could be subject to that 9 to 10% inheritance tax. So just be aware of that or looking at, at, at your plan, but still... The Roth IRA really is the uh, kind of the 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 peak, the the top of the pyramid there, when we're looking to save for retirement. And, and you're saying inheritance tax or estate taxes is, is that designated state by state? That, yes, that is a, that is a state by state issue. We do have a estate tax here in the U.S., but it's in it's in the ten million dollar range. So uh, a lot of our clients just aren't aren't hitting that. It's really based on what state you live in and what their rules are for the size of the estate and how much of that is going to be subject to that estate tax. Great. And I I wanted to clarify that because for those listening, Royal is licensed in multiple states. We don't even have time to list them all. So if you're listening to this in a state other than Oregon, it's a great phone call to make to talk to him about it because he he only touched on Oregon's rules, uh, but he could tell you exactly what to expect in your state as well. So, uh, And with that being said... Royal, if people have questions, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, give me a call at uh, 541-772-1116. Or you can go to our website at opfa.com. You can schedule an appointment right there from the website. Fantastic. Royal, always a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. You bet. Good to talk to you. All right. And of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planner's Financial Services are independent companies.